This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Good morning, it's Steve South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio, and it's Goober Day, Carol. You know, that Java knows how to pull a song. Right out of it the It just kind of puts you in the mood. That's right. What a great tune. Who is that, Java? I don't, I can't, usually I try to guess. Frankie Valley. Oh. In the Four uh, Seasons. Oh, of course it is. Singing about peanuts, honey. Oh, goodness. It, well, it must have been their favorite food or one of their favorite foods, too, just like ours. That or they were doing some marketing for the Peanut Growers Association or whatever. Well, it's a beautiful morning and a fall. A fall is upon us, uh, the very earliest pieces of that. Uh, we had a nice little treat this morning. Uh, Kara made a peach tart over the weekend while I was away in Pickwick. And I'll talk a little bit about our Pickwick weekend. But how about that uh, dessert, Carol? It is outrageous. Mm. In fact, Job and I are just going to be eating peach tart, so you've got to carry the load here. Okay. <laughs> I like that word, too, uh, Carol, outrageous, because it is full of flavor. It is. It is. It's like a, it has a puff pastry with a, you know, peach interior with almonds. And a sort of icing. Too. Yeah. It's, and then like peach goo. It's got peach goo. You know, uh, peaches must be uh, upon us because uh, this past weekend we had two peach dishes at uh, at Pickwick. And then when I got home, I had a, a, a peach dessert waiting for me. So I must say that while we have chosen to talk about peanuts, we probably should acknowledge peaches as well. P word. It's a P word on deep well, south dining. Well, and, and you know, it's just you know the the goodness of nature. Our peaches were gone here in Mississippi, I think, in early July. But peach growing goes on. Yes, it does. And uh, we're getting still getting a few Carolina peaches. These here. that we had up at Pickwick were allegedly Alabama peaches. That was hmm. what I was told by the uh, by Bill Barnett, who made the peach cobbler. And then by uh, Tommy Cadle, who made the fresh sliced peaches uh, that uh, he brought in. And then I didn't ask Carol where she got these peaches. But anyway, so it's a peachy kind of weekend. Now, beyond the peaches. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. It's a peachy peanut butter weekend at Pickwick. Whoa. We didn't have any peanut butter or peanuts at Pickwick. But we got some this morning, and we'll talk about those little rascals here shortly. But beyond the peach cobbler and the fresh sliced peaches we ate at Pickwick over the weekend, we had huge steaks one night. We had gumbo. We had tamales. We had a marinated gulf shrimp salad with fresh vegetables and olives and artichokes. It was just outrageous. And then we had, uh, we had fried catfish. And we just ate and ate and ate. Yesterday, I witnessed something that I haven't witnessed in a long time. I don't know if it's an official medical term, but I was in a food coma. 
And I think that is an official. <laughs> that's in the uh, yes, it's in the DM four or whatever it is. No, called, okay. but yeah, it's there. Uh, it, it's there. It was all a blur coming back. Okay, Malcolm, this is something you do every year at some guy trip. Where yeah. w- where in your life did this group of guys come from? These are all Boonville friends, high school days. So it's Tommy Cadle, Bill Barnett, uh, Phil Abernathy, um, myself, and Tom. Tom old Massey. So we're all we all went to high school and kind of grew up in Boonville. I mean that's such a wonderful tradition. And, Tom, and every year I look forward to hearing about the food. <laughs> I'm still thinking about that. I think there was kind of an egg in a jar thing. We had that again. Oh. It, he calls it egg in a creel. And it is fried shrimp, cream cheese grits with poached eggs, and this year we added fried okra on top of it. So the bowl had grits and poached eggs, and then we tossed fried okra on top of that. And then on the lip of the bowl, we hung a half dozen fried shrimp for each of us. Pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. <laughs> Part of the, the food coma. Yes, I'm still eating. I forgot to <laughs> Yeah, so that was what I ate this weekend. And we fished, and we went for boat rides, and uh, we had a big time. So did you actually cook the catfish or did you go to? No, we cooked it. Everything oh. that I've just described was cooked by myself or one of the group. Uh, we didn't, well, the gumbo came from Hallamouse, but everything else we cooked. So it, we had a lot of comeback and crackers. We, that was good. The shrimp dish that Bill Barnett made were, were these boiled shrimp in a bowl with artichokes, olives, peppers, onions, <sighs> sun-dried tomatoes in a sort of uh, oil and vinegar Italian-type dressing. And we nibbled on that throughout the weekend. I have nothing, you know, anywhere near equal. And a key lime pie. (gasps) I left that out. The highlight of my weekend was that we had triple tail. Oh, I like triple tail. John's daughter, Patricia Palmer McClure, brought fresh triple tail from the coast and it was delicious and just dusted it with a little flour sauteed it and then did a little wine and caper sauce and that was delicious mm, that sounds fabulous but i want to confess on the air since we talked about preserves oh boy and i don't think april mcgregor is listening because i think she homeschools <laughs> i burned the peach oh. preserves oh after sitting there you know for an hour and a half cutting up peaches Mm. letting them sit all day and marinate in the sugar. Then I had my attention turned away and they burned away. And they're not, I mean, I can't put them in a jar and give them away, but I'm hoping some of our listeners will call and tell me, what do you do with slightly burned peach preserves? I mean, I'm thinking glaze for pork chops well, I mean, there's some little black pieces from the bottom. but The only question is, does it taste burned? If it doesn't taste burned and it just looks a little charred, that's the no, different thing. No, it, t- it tastes a, <laughs> well, a little burned. Then I can tell you what your options are. You're going to have to sling it out. No. You're not going to throw it out. No, I mean, it's not like burn, burn, burn. <laughs> it's it's just like char-grilled okay. char grill peach preserves. And okay. I, I put so much into it, I know I've got to get something out of it. So help me, folks. Okay. What can you do with a slightly charred peach preserves? Preserves. Can you add it 
to some Glaze. dish. Maybe I could add. Maybe it's a marinade. Could pork, be. pork, thinking pork, pork tenderloin. I think pork is good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a challenge. But this is the reality of of cooking. Uh, not everything goes swimmingly. I mean, I burn things and drop things on the ground, and and know. it's a good time to remind all of our listeners that we are home cooks. We are yeah. not professionals. That's why we. We call on our professional friends. We know professionals, but we don't claim to be them. No, we do not. No, we just love knowing them. Okay. So that's no problem. No guilt there. No okay. shame. All right. Well, we're going to talk about peanuts in depth uh, today. Not that we know that much about them, but we've decided that we're dedicating the theme of today to peanuts. And, and do you my... know why we decided? Tell me why. Because last week we saw a post from one Patrick Puckett on cooking and coping. Yes. And he had boiled up this big thing of peanuts, and we asked each other if we had seen that picture. And we I, said, that hails the beginning of bull peanut season. Patrick Puckett, artist and uh, a good friend here in Jackson, who actually moved away and has just moved back. And this will teach you to cook peanuts on your back. Patio, and then post a picture on cooking and coping. We'll have you on the show. And in the next segment of the show, Patrick's coming on to tell us how he went about this peanut boiling. So we're looking forward to hearing about where Patrick got his peanuts and how he cooked them. And then we'll talk to Dr. Malcolm Broom, who's an expert with the Mississippi Peanut Growers Association, I believe. Now, I will say this. Since you and I decided that the theme was going to be peanuts today, I've asked a lot of people about peanuts, and here's what happens. There are no ambivalent peanut people, particularly when you speak of boiled peanuts. People either love them or they despise them and they don't want to hear about it. Java? Yeah, I'm I'm not a a big fan of the boiled peanuts, and I and I guess honestly, if I'm true, uh, I would say because my dad he loves them, and he's been loving them for most of my life, so I've always seen them as like old people. Oh, old people food. Old people food. Now we get. Oh, he is such a sweet young thing. So oh, I just you know old I, people. But food. I, I do I do like some good peanuts, some good salty peanuts, you know. But the, the boiled, I just. Eh. Well, Java, you have an aversion to slime factor that I've noticed over the years we've been together. But let me tell you, I just tried oysters for the first time the mm. other the other week. Yeah, but they were charbroiled. That's fine, and and they were not slimy. And? and they were great. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you, you just you can't deal with the slime factor, whether yeah. it's okra or yeah. We can't or, cannot lay any okra. Yeah. On well, did you taste the, the peanut I gave you? you yeah, I'm, I'm about to. I cracked, okay. I cracked it open a little bit. I'm just okay. just found a pacing peanut. myself. Found a peanut. <laughs> found a peanut just yeah. now. It goes goes well with peach tart. <laughs> so as I was coming in the building today, literally, I passed a gentleman. In one of the office cubby holes there, and he had a plastic container full of boiled peanuts sitting on his desk. And I asked Chris Ruth, not Ruth, Chris, but Chris Ruth, who works here at MPB, where he got them. And he said he bought them at a local grocery store, but he confessed that it was difficult to find any. He had to go back two or three times because they were out. It's been a devastating year for peanut growers. We're going to hear about that later from Dr. Malcolm Broom, who is our peanut expert. 
But this fella boiled them and offered us up a few. They're Cajun style with Zatarans in it. So I just tasted one, and they're really delicious. You know, I think that's so cosmic that on the day we're doing peanuts, you walk by an office, and there they are. Well, as it should be. You know, the Clearing Ledger did an article about two weeks ago about peanuts, and they were talking about C&B peanut farms in Java. Where? No, go ahead. You're good. I can't think of where they are. Crystal near Crystal Springs or Hazelhurst. Oh, oh, C and C and B. C and B. I think they are uh, Crystal Springs. But they are one of the prime peanut growers, and they grow for uh, you know farmers markets. But people drive from all over to get their peanuts. So my husband John Palmer read the article at breakfast and immediately wanted to send me to. Fetch some C peanuts. and B peanuts, mm-hmm. you know, and gave me a, an ice chest and said, "Please go get us some peanuts." And you know, luckily I called, right? And there was a recording that said, "We've got no peanuts because the that rain that those big right. rains we had had for two weeks seemed to have." Yeah, taking the peanuts. Washed away. Yeah, Javi, you got that same message when you called, right? Yeah, it was spot on because that the rain that we had got a couple of weeks ago really, I guess, devastated the crop. <laughs> well, we can talk to Malcolm Broom about that later. We will. We shall. So we are talking about the peanut, the ground nut, the goober pea, if you would. And it is a very versatile crop, and everybody who can hear us on the radio knows that lots of good things were done by Mr. George Washington Carver around the peanut. Carol has etched up some really good history here. Well, I've always been fascinated with George Washington Carver's peanut research because he published 105 uses of peanuts. And I've always loved that because salad oil, cooking oil, Worcestershire sauce, wood stain, soaps, and shaving Shaving cream. And, you know, that that's that's just marvelous. But he truly um, is a American legend. He was the first African-American to earn a Bachelor of Science degree. And he will be forever associated with Tuskegee University, right. where his most of his research um, took place. But his name is synonymous with peanuts. All right. So we... On the phone, we have Patrick Puckett, who was kind enough to call in and tell us about his peanut boiling uh, that he did over the weekend. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Good. How are y'all doing this morning? Welcome back to Mississippi. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. So what's been going on? Well, we know what's been going on. Can you talk to us a little bit about your where you got your peanuts and how you cook them? Well, um, my dad went to... Uh, he gets his peanuts in Crystal Springs. C and B. I don't know. I guess that's where it is. Yeah, I don't know exactly where, but, you know, he runs up there whenever they're ready. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's where it is. There you go. Uh, and he just brought me a huge bag, and, you know, you got to boil them up. And have you boiled them in the past? Did you have a recipe? Um, in the past, uh, I've kind of boiled them my, my entire life. When I lived out in Austin, um, Austin, Texas, nobody has heard of boiled peanuts. No. <laughs> boiled peanuts, and people just give you this disgusted look. <laughs> kind of like the one Java gives us when we bring it up. Right. 
Um, so I would just I would get dried peanuts. That's like the only peanuts I could find, hmm. and I would boil them. But I would have to boil them for like ten hours <laughs> to get them anywhere close to like a, a normal boiled peanut. Now, what uh, about the ones that you cooked this past weekend? They were green, fresh ones. Yes, sir. Just green, fresh ones, and the recipe is just salt. <laughs> <laughs> Water and salt. And I do put a few uh, fresh bay leaves. Bay leaves? All right. So so you're pretty much a purist. You're not going to put Zatarans or Tony Chasseret or any wild concoction in yours. You're a classic, a classicist. Just salt and water. I I don't really like the, the hot peanuts or spicy peanuts. I'll eat them, but just the classic plain peanuts the way to go for me what about the kids do they eat these things not yet <laughs> okay you're, you're bringing along you're bringing them along slowly yeah they're only two and three right now so okay. they're pretty picky but i'll have to like mix it in to the diet somehow and... so were these family peanuts or did you share them with friends oh i've i took some to my mother-in-law to my wife's sisters, you know, you if go. you cook 60 quarts, sounds like you had a bushel. <laughs> you got to freeze some, you got to give some to your neighbors. Uh-huh. So it's a very shareable uh, kind of uh, dish. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even when I lived in Texas, I would bring some to work just to see the, the looks on everybody's face when I tried to give them a boil peanuts. Hmm. Well, I love them. My uncle used to grow them and cook them, and uh, we I grew up eating them. We didn't have the Cajun ones, the hot style. I think that's a relatively new phenomenon. But growing up, I'm like Patrick. We just had uh, just salt and water, and we would just sit and eat them and uh, share them, put them in the refrigerator, carry them around in a bag. They were great. Yeah, well, I had my first uh, lesson in boiling peanuts last year. My daughter-in-law, Melinda Berry Palmer, works at the Doris Berry Farmer's Market on, on Highway 80. Right. And she brought a bushel of peanuts. I told her I wanted to try it and learn to do it. And it was an all-day affair. It was, I mean, and I had a giant pot, and those peanuts came all the way or up to all the top. Like it. Yeah. Are <laughs> they all, all like that? They just kind of float to the top. Uh-huh. And then you let them sit in the in the boil, right? Yeah, for a while and absorb the salt and such. And I had no idea. And Patrick, you may know this that you can actually freeze them. I just put two Ziploc bags in the freezer thirty minutes ago. Well, go. that's good for you. And and you know, Melinda told me at the farmers market last week, people were just driving up buying bushels. Wow! Like. I had her on the phone, and somebody had walked up to the counter with three bushels to go boil. So there was a lot of boiling going on. A lot of excitement around peanuts. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Patrick, So thank you so much for uh, sharing your peanut boiling experience, and uh, good luck uh, with your fantastic artwork that you create. Yeah, and thank you for all of the posts on cooking and coping over the last few years. Uh, I feel like... I know you through your food, and and you've been a great asset to the site, and I hope you'll keep posting. Oh, I love it. It's it's my favorite part about Facebook. Great. 
Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for posting. And uh, thank you for being available this morning to tell us about your boiling peanut experience. Well, Patrick, before you leave, before you leave, Patrick, how long did it take to boil the peanuts? Um, well, I started them around, I guess it was probably 10 o'clock at night. Uh, or actually 9 o'clock, and I boiled them until about midnight. Um, okay. And then I just let them sit in the water um, that whole next day. Wow, the whole day. 8 o'clock in the afternoon. So that's not a like boiling peanuts is not a quick thing. You got to warm them down the road. <laughs> I've heard people cooking them in uh, pressure cookers. That's yeah. probably a good way to. You see them in crock pots and such. Okay. But uh, he did it the old-fashioned way with a gas cooker and a big pot, from what I could tell from the photo. And you see people on the side of the highway not only selling them but boiling them in a pot you know, they with the butane yep. tank. Okay, thanks a lot, Patrick. Uh, we got a bunch of callers here. We appreciate each and every one of you. We're going to quick. We'll go to Kath, Kathleen first. She's got some uh, feedback for Carol on her peach preserves, and I think you got some. Uh, you got a text feedback from, you might from wanna, Pippa Jackson. And yes. What'd she suggest? She said to add some peppers and have pear pepper jelly. Okay, Kathleen, what what are you? What's going on? Well. From my experience and all the mistakes I've made, <laughs> uh, let me tell you, this is a Hail Mary kind of thing, but you might be able to pull it off. Get some fish, whole fish, uh, slice and a half. You're going to do a grilling, uh, not a grill, a broiling in the oven. You yep. get it just about done, or you can go the other way and fry them like blacking catfish mm-hmm. and use that uh, uh, puree that the uh, preserve she's got right and you might be able to get using one on top of that as a fish glaze it sounds sounds great delicious all right kathleen thank you so much now we're going to boonville we have norma on the phone hello norma well, good morning, Malcolm. How are you? I am well. I've had a lovely weekend up in that neck of the woods. Uh-huh. I'm aware of that. Um, <laughs> I told the person who answered when I called, this has nothing to do with peanuts or peaches, but uh, in honor of the Queen of England being buried today, I'm making uh, the Queen's Drop scones for my every other Monday um, brunch. Oh, boy. There are only three of us. And uh, have you read that recipe anywhere? I have not, Carol. No. Bring it on. It it has been uh, mine I'm looking at right now, and I clipped it from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal about mm, probably 12 to 15 years ago. I've never tried it. So I decided today was the day, and I have a captive uh, audience of eaters because uh, these two women and I, well, they come to my house every other Monday. Hmm. So um, they're very interesting in that they're called scones, but the picture that was with the article um, looks more like um, kind of a small, thick pancake. Hmm. And the uh, article that was... Now, I have seen this, by the way. Let me interrupt myself. Um, <laughs> and... Um, well, I talked for 29 years. I interrupted myself a lot. So um, um, I have 
Uh, where was I? Okay. You were interrupting uh, yourself. Yes, thank you. Um, their other name is Scotch Pancakes. Scotch Pancakes, okay. Right. But now, since uh, Queen Elizabeth's death, I have seen on various blurbs on my news feed that uh, mention of these as her favorite breakfast. Well. So, mm-hmm. What so a wonderful I, tribute to the Queen. Absolutely. Well, indeed. So um, I just wanted the, the world to know that uh, with Queen Elizabeth's passing, perhaps this is our last chance to publicize her favorite breakfast, Drop Scones. Drop Scones. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Uh, and it is timely, and we appreciate that. We failed to. And Malcolm, yes. look, they are. They do look like, of course, we have I had to look them here. up. We had to look them up. Oh, they do look like pancakes. It's, okay, a Scot- so it's a Scottish dish. It's kind of thick pancake. We didn't have that when we were in Scotland. Did I don't we? remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I, I'm I'm a bit bothered by the fact that the recipe tells me that after I have mixed the wet and dry ingredients, that at that point I add three tablespoons of cream of tartar, and I'm just thinking about wow. lumpy cream of tartar. Goodness. So I want I want to mix it with the flour. Ahead of time, so much, but I'm not going to. You better follow the recipe. Follow the recipe. Well, I hope this inspires other listeners to make Scottish drop scones today. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Thanks. thanks, Norma. Good to hear from you. Okay. Bye bye. From Boonville, we're off to Brookhaven. We're going to talk about Carol's peach dilemma with uh, Emily. Hello, Emily. Uh, yeah. So I just want to tell you. So my husband loves to cold smoke cream cheese, and so what I would suggest was cold smoke you some cream cheese or get you some cream cheese and throw those burnt peach preserves over those that cream cheese and it will be delicious Hmm. oh that sounds wonderful because it does taste good i mean just that sounds wonderful that sounds like a winner serve it up with some crackers for an appetizer i've never thought of smoking cream cheese either so that would be neat so it's smoke on smoke or smoke on fire yeah. Char on smoke. And that kind of uh, hit me. The last person that t- told me what to and they're saying blacken something. Right. I mean, a little burn up against some blacken. Yeah. Sounds like it's a good. Uh, yeah. Sounds a good. A good match. A good pairing. Good pairing. Emily, thank you so thank much you. for calling. Uh, now we're going to Mobile to talk to Jesse about boiled peanuts. Hello, Jesse. Hey, how's it going? Good morning to you guys. Very good. Thank you. Good, Jesse. We hadn't heard from you in a while. It's good to hear from you. <laughs> Oh, thanks. I worked at Carver Research Foundation in Tuskegee when I was in school, and I took the tour of the Carver Research. They have a little building off to the side on campus where you can learn all you can about one of the world's most famous scientists. The story they tell you upon visiting is one day he prayed to God and said, Lord, I want to know everything there is to know about everything. And God responded and said, fine, start with the peanut. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God can be so funny sometimes. That's a great story. Are you a fan of the boiled peanuts, Jesse? I'm a roasted peanut fan, not so much boiled. A bunch of people in high school, they were on the boiled peanut fan club. I was on the roasted fan club. You and Java. He's a roasted yep. man in himself. All right, and that's the a smell good. of roasted peanuts in the house during oh. the winter. Well, during 
pre-football game, you can't. It's like walking down the coffee aisle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is great, right, man. Thank you so much Thanks, for Jesse. listening and for calling. And uh, Java, should we welcome on the good doctor? Let's welcome Doctor Malcolm Broom Carroll, who's an expert on peanuts. Good morning, Malcolm. How are you? I'm doing fine. I don't know that I'm an exact expert now, but I've had a, quite a bit of experience lately with peanuts in the last 11 years or so as the executive director of the Mississippi Peanut Growers Association. Wow. We're so glad that you joined us this morning. We need some expert guidance. So, you know, we know that they are they are grown in a number of counties, but where is like the mother load of peanuts? Probably uh, around Loosedale. Okay. The Piney Woods. That's where they got started down in, about, we organized in 2006. And that's kind of from Hattiesburg South. Right. Uh, tends to have the better soil types. And so that's, that that's where sa- it got started. Is that that sandy loam soil? Yeah, sandy loam. Yeah, uh-huh. I thought that, so. You can grow them in any soil, but digging them gets to be the problem. Right. You have to they extract can, them from the ground. That's right. That's right. So that soft, sandy soil is best for the harvesting. The but there again, we've got them all over the state of Mississippi now. They, they've expanded, and of course, uh, in fact, they all the way to the Boot Hill in Missouri, but they tended to find the sandier soils up the side of the Mississippi River Delta all through that area. Yeah, the Clarksdale area, I believe, has has peanut growers. Yeah, there have been some there around in Senatobia in that area. Hmm. Uh, we okay. had a lot more when the 2014 Farm Bill was in with what they called the generic base where they could designate cotton acreage over to peanuts. And So we had a lot more then, but after the 2018 Farm Bill came in and took the generic base away, our acres has declined quite a bit in the Delta area. Oh. Went back to cotton. Wow. Well, do we grow a, a different varieties of peanuts, or is there one particular variety that is more popular? All right, I'll give you the – there's four varieties of peanuts. We've got runner peanuts, which is what we grow 99% of in Mississippi and across the, the south. You get Virginia peanuts, which obviously the Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and a few over in West Texas. And then we've got the Spanish peanuts and the Valencia peanuts. And these are the smaller peanuts, tend to be grown Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, out that way. But we're a runner peanut. 60% of the peanut butter comes from runner peanuts. Wow. Wasn't uh, Virginia the first colony to grow the peanut in America? Could have been. Uh, yeah, they came in from some the Indies with, uh, from that area. Oh, there's, you know. Lots of peanuts grown in China, Africa. You know, we're not we're not the only one. It's a global but, nut. That's right. But I like that, Malcolm. A, yeah. a global yeah. nut. Yeah. And it was supposed Alabama, Florida, and Georgia grow seventy percent of the peanuts in the United States. Well, there you go. Say that again, because I stepped on top right. of your sentence. All right, no problem. Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida grow seventy percent of the peanuts, and we're a group that molded together back in Senator Cochran's days uh, to help with the farm bill and that kind of thing. And as a result, we're called the Southern Peanut Farmers Federation, and it's these four states, with Mississippi being the little one. Georgia grows almost 50% of the peanuts in the United States by itself. Do the growers get together and cooperatively sell them to the manufacturers? Right. 
they they tend to when they plant uh, go ahead and sign a contract with. We got three big companies: Olam, uh, Golden, and the uh, folks up in Virginia in Suffolk, Virginia. Uh, all of those bird songs, their name. All of their they're the make big three. Now some of the farmers have organized co-ops, but they contract a percentage of their acres when they plant them at a, at a certain price per ton. Hmm. The other thing that we do real big is all of the states have a checkoff. So the producers believe in it enough that they pay usually from $2 to $2.50 per ton to be used for research, promotion, and marketing of peanuts all across the country. Boy, I, I've never even thought about anything no. like that. Very okay, well organized. Uh, when I was young, yep. I was lucky enough to have relatives of relatives who who farmed peanuts near Lone Star, Mississippi, near Collins, mm-hmm. right. and we hand pulled the peanuts, which was quite you know quite mm-hmm. a, a job. But now I know there's equipment that actually extracts them. Tell us a little bit about that and how that changed peanut yeah. growing. All right. That, that is the one thing that is different from soybeans, cotton, corn, that kind of thing. They have basically one set of equipment. Now, cotton requires a different set, but peanuts must have a combine and a digger, and as a result, those two things cannot be used for anything but that, the way they're made. So what we've gone from, like you, when I grew up, you could take a turning plow and go to the garden, and everybody maybe had six or eight rows of peanuts in the garden and that kind of thing, and you, you turned them over with a turning plow, and then you sat on a shade tree and picked them off. Right. Now they have, they have 12 row diggers, put 12 rows. They flip them up on top of the ground. They stay there generally about three to four days to dry down. And then they come through with the combine that takes the vine with the nuts on it into the machine, and it takes those nuts off of that vine. Don't ask me how it's able to figure that out, but it does, and puts them in a basket on top of the combine, and the vine goes out the back. Wow. Malcolm, that's complicated. Very complicated. (laughs) They're dumped in into what they call a peanut buggy. It takes it over to the 18-wheeler trailer that then dumps it into that trailer, and then that 18-wheeler trailer goes to... The buying point, that's the first delivery point of the peanuts from out of the field. And then there they're graded by our State Department of Agriculture, handles the grading. There's grading services in every state. They're graded, and the farmer's paid according to the grade. They're weighed, dried, foreign material, all that kind of stuff gets out of there. And then at some point then on, usually December, January, February, the person that bought the peanuts will move them from that buying point to a shelling plant. And there they're shelled, and all the peanuts used now, even the red husk on the peanuts being used for cattle feed and some other things, a lot of research going on. Farmers pay a lot of money into research. So it's a pretty unique, big industry when you put it together, and like I say, a big part of it concentrated in South Georgia. So, Malcolm, we're going to go straight to the phones and take a call from Dr. Edgar Smith. He's going to tell us some story or at least make a comment about George Washington Carver. Hello, Ed, Edgar. Hi there, Malcolm. How Good are you morning, guys? Edgar. 
Hi there, Carol. It's good to hear your voice. We were excited when we saw your name on the board because we knew we were getting ready to get something really good. Oh, bless you, bless you. I wanted to, unfortunately, I had to walk away from the radio when you uh, made your comments about Dr. George Washington Carver because I got a phone call from my brother. But nevertheless, I wanted to say that uh, George Washington Carver was uh, an inspiration for my becoming a scientist. Actually, what he was doing with the peanut, I learned about that. And he was the only black man in a white coat that wasn't a barber that I knew. Wow. <laughs> wow. And you understand, <clears throat> when I was a kid, and I, I was learning about what George Washington Carver was doing, and that inspired me to want to become a, a research scientist. And I just wanted to make that comment because he was, he was a great man who did so much with, with so little to, to see what he accomplished in his laboratory with that peanut with the kind of equipment that he has, I just imagine what he could do if he had all the technology available to us now in science. But I just was so I want to congratulate you guys and thank you for giving him his props for what he did. Thank you so much. Well, he would be so proud that his legacy resulted in people yeah. like you. We're proud who, of you, who, Dr. Who, Smith. We, we certainly are. And Dr. Smith, through through the years that we've known each other, you have taught me some lessons, maybe when I needed it most, about about Black history and culture. And I, I wanted to mention that uh, George Washington Carver's mother was a slave. He was bought into slavery, and actually, I think that they were they were kidnapped and and separated. It, yeah at some point but to see where he came from and what he did and what he had to overcome to be the first bachelor of science from the african-american community it's pretty pretty yeah, awesome really good yeah stuff. well and i just uh, it's amazing to, that he did that and i'm so happy to 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 see that he's getting his props just finally i have in my hand here a bottle a jar of carver country peanut butter <laughs> that was produced in uh in alabama and i actually and I, i'll tell you a quick story i went to a masquerade ball once as george washington carver about 15 years ago and i took this i found this jar of peanut butter and i took it with me and i was george washington carver <laughs> made in alabama that's great <laughs> That is so good. Thank you, guys. Great to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. And thanks for for being our friend. Let's stay on uh, the callers. And I will remind our listeners and our callers that Dr. Malcolm Broom is still with us, our Mississippi uh, expert on uh, peanut growing and the Growers Association. But we're going to go all the way to Mobile with Mikey. Hey, Mikey, what's going on? Well, I want to join in on the accolades and the inspiration for um, Dr. Carver. Uh, I remember reading the, his uh, a book about him when I was nine years old. <laughs> it made an incredible impression on me, and it still does. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, to because uh, I know you got other people coming that want to ask stuff too. Um, uh, I'd like to ask the doctor that we have with us today, um, who's the expert in peanut stuff. I found a product a couple of years ago called peanut powder. And I have found it to be an immensely wonderful product to use for just all kinds of stuff myself. Thank you, Dr. Carver, for inspiration. There you go. Um, uh, uh, but uh, 
can you can you help me to understand maybe how it's made and give me some more ideas? Well, the peanut powder is, is just another way the National Peanut Board and, and some of its research, which our farmers contribute to that nationwide, that they've found to mix it in recipes. A lot of people are using smoothies, so you can mm-hmm. mix the peanut powder. Excellent source of protein. And there's some research going on that seems to support healthy aging tied to using this peanut powder because it's an effective plant-based protein source, and it seems to help uh, counteract age-related muscle loss. Now, that's still out there in research. We don't know that for a fact, but the beginning part of it uh, and the research seems to indicate that. So it's just another one of the ways we even tried peanut milk. It didn't work. <laughs> it just didn't catch on. But we have folks in research continually looking for other ways to move the peanut. Mikey, and, uh, I wanted to just uh, jump in here and, and say peanut powder is an amazing product. I started using it yes. probably about 10 years ago, and it was very hard to find. Mm. I use it in, you know, smoothies and other blended drinks like that, but now I notice that it's on the the shelves of of most major grocery stores, so people can can get. Well, as that. always, Carol, you were way ahead on, on oh, that trend. Way way ahead, Malcolm. Way ahead. All right, we've got a caller. Renee is calling from Ocean Springs on the coast. Hey, Renee, what's going on? Hi, um, I wanted to find out and understand why it's so hard to find organic peanuts. Organic when peanuts? It, yeah. All right, let me, let me see if I can clear that a little bit for you. The first thing, peanuts have no GMOs whatsoever. So Expl- you're say what a GMO is here. Genetically modified organisms, what they call it. They, you know, changing the genetics to make the peanut do something. They're just like the peanut that began originally, just to have been improved by crossing the peanut varieties over the years. Now... Organic peanuts are going to be the same peanuts you're eating right now. It's just grown under organic conditions. The number one reason there's not many of them is because of weed control. Mm. You just can't get the grass and the, and the weeds out of peanuts without a lot of hand labor, and there's not folks wanting to do that on a large scale. Yes, they, they are fine. Uh, they would be a little bit different, I guess, from the chemistry in the soil. But other than that, uh, you can get a premium to grow a ton of organic peanuts. But like I said, it's just a labor-intensive process to grow them and get get them to produce enough with the weeds and things that get in there. No fungicides being used. They tend to have a great deal of leaf spot disease. So farmers use a fungicide a couple of three times. I spray it on the leaves to keep them from shedding the leaves because if they shed the leaves, you're fixing to give up 20 or 30% in your yield. Mm. And with the cost of all the inputs today, you can't afford it. So that's the one reason. But now the ones that tend to be grown organic tend to be out in the West where they have much, much less moisture, and therefore the weed problems are not near as bad as they are here in the South. Right. Good information, Renee. Thank you so much. That's a great question. And, um, uh, we'll be on the lookout for organic peanuts. All right, we're now going to Brandon. Richard uh, wants to talk a little bit about peanuts. Hey, Richard, how are you? Hey there. What's up? Thank you for taking my call. I um, I spent some time in Chattawa, Mississippi, as a as a pastor for some nuns down there, and they had work that they did in Ghana, 
And one of the things one of the sisters brought back when they came for a home visit was uh, what they call in Ghana ground nuts, yep. which is the peanut. Right. And um, right. The, the, the ones that she brought back were small, kind of like what we call Spanish peanuts. Anyway, the flavor was so different. It was wonderful. And then she introduced me to ground nut stew, which is yep. evidently made uh, in several places, in, in aside from just in Ghana, with uh, meat or without meat, I guess. But the main ingredient is our peanuts and uh, a kind of peanut paste, I guess something like peanut butter, um, with onions and tomatoes and peppers. It's kind of a, a spicy stew, and it's, um, I couldn't tell you how it's served, but I'm sure on the Internet you can find lots of, uh, lots of recipes. But I wanted to tell that story because um, I'd never heard of ground nuts, and I had, had never tasted them uh, from another place until I was working in that, that area in Pike County. Yeah, so. Oh. Well, Richard, thanks a lot for sharing that with us and for listening to Deep South Dining. That's a great observation. Um, and and it sounds like a, in, a delicious in dish. The country, they, yeah, they call them ground nuts, and ground nut stew is pretty common in African mm-hmm. area through uh-huh. there. Uh, they use the peanuts where they're getting their source of protein from right. that standpoint. Uh, they've had all kind of names, ground nuts. Uh, during the Civil War, they were called goober peas. There's even a song on goober peas. I mean... Yep. We could sing. <laughs> Carol could sing. They called them goobers, and, and uh, so that's that's where it came from, and, and has evolved, and it's actually a legume, kin first cousin to your butter beans and your peas. Okay, I've got to give a shout out to our dear friend Enrica Williams, who makes absolutely the best peanut soup, and if y'all could replicate that, Malcolm. You would up the crop all over the country. But when I first had her, I had her peanut soup before I knew her. And, you know, that's really how I got to know her and tracked her down when she was at uh, Cultivation Food Hall because of that peanut soup. And, wow. The second thing is, this is an idea for you if you haven't done it. Pippa Perry Jackson just sent us uh, a great idea, and that is to make peanut hummus. And uh-huh. she said it's absolutely yep. delicious. So using uh, peanuts instead of chickpeas, and she said you can I- eat it all day long. And lastly, I'd like to thank one of our great listeners, um, Amanda uh, Anglin, who sent me a great idea for a pie for my Peanut, pear preserves. Peanut butter pie? Oh, no, oh for the for, pear For my burn pear, burn pear, oh, okay. pear preserves. But, Malcolm, I think we should go home and make peanut hummus. <laughs> yes. We've, we've got uh, give you two or three ideas for your listeners. The Peanut Institute. You can Google that up, peanutinstitute.org, the National Peanut Board, uh, the peanutbutterlovers.org. A number of those will give you just many, many recipes and just scads of information about the peanut. It's mm. called the perfectly powerful peanut for a reason. And Ooh. let's not forget the peanuts, the roasted peanuts in the Coca-Cola bottle. Oh, there you go. There's a 
There's one from my youth. Was because uh, farmers and mechanics didn't want to get their hand when they had dirty hands, so they dropped their peanuts in the Coke bottle. Excellent. Wonderful. Excellent. Hey, and a last-minute note from Pippa. When yeah. you're making your hummus, use boiled peanuts. Boiled peanuts. All right. Dr. Malcolm Broom, thank you so much for joining us and all the great information that you have shared with us. Thanks to Patrick Puckett. Uh, Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from folks just like yourself, so we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For Carol Palmer and myself, join us each Monday for more Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.